Demons run when a good man goes to war. Night will fail and drown in sun when a good man goes to war. Friendship dies and true love lies. Night will fall and the dark will rise when a good man goes to war. Demons run, but count the cost. The battle's won, but the child is lost when a good man goes to war. Welcome to ClickBang, everybody. Tonight we'll be doing one topic and one topic only, and that is what I predict will happen over the next 90 days, and then, of course, over the next two, three years and beyond as a result of the FDA deeming regulations. One thing that I think is sobering and depressing is how obvious it is that all of that advocacy, all of the, and I'm not talking about, you know, all of the local laws, you know, the state laws, the city laws, the county laws. I'm not talking about all that stuff. The, the advocacy has done a great deal with all of that. I'm talking about all those public comments that we made to the FDA, all of those meetings for all the people and all the organizations who went to Washington, all of that work meant exactly nothing. If we had done 10 times the amount of work or if we had do, done no work at all, the words in that final deeming regulations that are now law, now in the federal register, those words would have been exactly the same. They would not have done anything different. And our government has proved to us what I don't think anybody really expected to the, to the degree that it is true that they do truly have a tin ear to the consumers and to the industry itself. Not one word would have been different because it could not have possibly been any worse. That's rather depressing from an advocacy standpoint. One book I, I don't think Mitch Zeller has ever read would be The Art of War by Sun Tzu. If he had, he might have noticed chapter 7, part 36, where Sun Tzu said, when you surround an army, leave an outlet free. Do not press a desperate foe too hard. Because, of course, this is exactly what he's done. The regulations are so restrictive and they're, they're so impossible for the vast majority of the industry to even attempt to follow. He has truly... It's not just them. The FDA has truly created a situation where there is no retreat available and, in fact, no action whatsoever that is available for the vast majority of the industry. This is a huge mistake on their part. And it's not because it's going to... I, I, I'm, I'm over-waiting for you know more than 5% of consumers or the industry for that matter to spring up into some sort of action. I'm, I'm long over that. I don't expect that there will be an increase maybe slightly, but I'm not going to hold my breath. 
But we will talk about what is going to happen, at least in, in my opinion. And what's that worth? Well, that and 250 will get you on the subway. But eh, I've called some things in the right in the past and been right, so maybe I'll be right again. I want to make clear that with these um, predictions that I'm making, I am in no way advocating that people stop fighting. Will there be lawsuits? I hope so. Will the coal amendment pass, H.R. 2050? Will it? Maybe. I hope so. I think the amendment has a much greater chance than a lawsuit, but should we have those things? Of course we should have those things. The FDA has a phone number you should call. Should you call it? Why not? I don't think they listen. I, I mean, I think they've proven that. But waste their time? Sure, why not? Now, as, as far as like a, a breakdown as to what these deeming regulations actually are, what they mean, all that stuff, I was going to do something like that, but Kevin actually did as good of a job that could have been done because he invited very smart people, people much smarter than me, who know how to read these things and understand them. And if you want to listen to Kevin talking to uh, Cynthia Cabrera from Safada, uh, you can listen to uh, Deeming Regulations for Dummies right here on SoundCloud or uh, on uh, vplivenetwork.com. He also did a, an excellent interview with Michael, Dr. Michael Siegel. Uh, Jeff Steyer also called into that show. That's also an excellent way to have, again, someone far smarter than me, break down these regulations and what they mean. That's not what I'm going to be doing tonight, although I'll be going to some of that. I'm going to be predicting what is actually going to happen. So there's a few key points here. One is what will happen in 90 days, because in 90 days there will be a market freeze. That is actually going to be far harder to predict than I think what will happen in three years, which is after uh, the two-year window for submitting uh, compliance applications and the one year that the FDA says they will supposedly take to... Um, to approve or disapprove, which is not going to happen. It's going to be far longer than a year, but that's another story. So what, what happens in 90 days? What is this market freeze? Well, the market freeze goes into effect, I believe the exact date is August 8th. If it's not August 8th, it's the 7th or the 9th. It's somewhere right around there. And the market freeze says that any product that is introduced after that date must get approval before it begins, it begins being sold. So in other words, all the products that are on the market today and all the way through August 7th, I suppose, all of those products can be sold for the next two years rolling after the, uh, the market freeze date. They can be sold and you don't even have to put in an application. You can just continue selling them. Uh, but after those two years, if you have not entered an application, then they cannot be sold anymore. Um, so in other words, if an e-liquid flavor or whatever, or a product exists on August 7th, you're good for another two years, no matter what, if you introduce it on August 8th or August 9th, then you cannot begin selling it on the market without first getting FDA approval, which means you would have to submit your application now, and then you wait for them to approve it before you can even sell it. Uh, this is, uh, it's huge, 
in that since day one in this industry, there has been the best new product that has ever been released. And the next week there's been the, the product so much better than you. You'd be crazy to use that old one. And you know, the technology, uh, because this, this is for now a completely unregulated market, you have constant innovation. Um, this vaping industry is one of the one of the, the the shining points of capitalism in in the in the history of the world. That when left alone, uh, creative minds can do amazing things. So the FDA says now you've got another ninety days where you can innovate, and then you have to stop. So this is the hard part to predict what hap what's going to happen in ninety days. First, we'll start with the hardware, because frankly, that's a little bit easier. Um, as far as hardware can, is concerned, um, I, I obviously, it won't stop on August 8th. After all, most of the stuff is made in China, right? China doesn't just sell to us, although we're the biggest customers. They sell all over the world, so they all, they'll have no reason to immediately stop. What's going to be very interesting is how and how soon the FDA is actually going to attempt any enforcement. Now, from the hardware perspective, we're going to learn a lot in 90 days because they're saying a lot, they're saying a lot of things that are kind of contradictory in the deeming document. They are saying that all these things, atomizers, batteries, all, you know, the only things that we know for sure are safe are screwdrivers and lanyards because those are the only two products that they specifically called out that are okay. All the other stuff they said, you is if, if the intent of the product is to be used in using electronic, you know, e-cigarettes e to vaporize nicotine, then you need to get approval for them. It's going to be very interesting, and I'll be looking to China first. They have a choice now. They can just do nothing and continue doing business exactly as they have been. They'll have no problem with that in the global market, but they may run into some significant issues in the U.S. market. They have a choice. Do the same exact thing or make special marketing for the U.S. market. Because what the FDA is saying is if the intent is for this stuff to be used to vaporize nicotine, then you have to get approval. But we all know every town has a head shop, right? In most of America, marijuana is still illegal, yet you can walk into a head shop and even in a state that doesn't have any legal allowance for marijuana, you can buy a bong or whatever. They just have a little sign that says, for use with tobacco products only or not for use with any illegal substances, whatever, you know? They're probably better off not having that tobacco sign anymore, actually. But, you know, so that industry has gotten away with this for decades. I do think it all, it all does, with regard to hardware at least, it all does come down to marketing because if you, as a manufacturer, were to just put a piece of paper or, or uh, something on the, on the box or, or whatever, this product is not intended for use with nicotine. Uh, any use of this product with nicotine will avoid the warranty. You could just put something as simple as that. And I think you're pretty much covered. 
If you don't, well, maybe that's another story. Maybe not. The deeming is clear that if it's intended to be used with the, with a, um, with nicotine that you need to get approval, but it's unclear if that means that it has to be part of a finished system. In other words, uh, uh, the simplest uh, the simplest example would be an Enjoy King or or a stick battery, a Mark Ten, views all that stuff. It's hardware and software, software being the e liquid, in one device. So of course that entire device would have to be FDA approved. But most of the hardware is not sold with software. The software being the e liquid. It's just, you know, most people, they're just, here's the mod, here's the battery, screw whatever you want onto it, or here's an atomizer, put whatever cotton or metal you want in it, and then add, they don't sell it with anything. And perhaps in some cases, don't even say what the thing is supposed to be used for. What's going to happen with that? I'm not sure. The FDA, one, one thing is for certain, the FDA is going to have to pick its battles in 90 days because they don't have the... Keep in mind, this is a piece of paper. It's a law. And when laws are broken, they need to be enforced. Now, stage one of enforcement is pretty easy. They just have to take out their pen and paper, lick a stamp, send it to you, and then they, they've given you warning now. You're in uh, violation and you have to stop doing this. Okay. But what happens after that? The next step is they got to send a human. First, it's generally a guy with a clipboard who comes in and says, hey, look, you're still doing this. You can't do this anymore. you got to stop. After that, they have to, if, you, if there is continued noncompliance, then they have to send somebody with a gun. Now, while it's true that the government has all the guns in the world, what they don't have is they don't have a way to monitor everybody doing, doing this, and they don't have the ability to send people with guns all over the country to enforce this because that is ultimately what it all comes down to. They won't have that in 90 days. That's why I say this is the most difficult part of the process to predict. They simply don't have the means to enforce yet. So what happens in 90 days? Well, I predict that some manufacturers of hardware, we're still just on hardware here, some manufacturers of hardware will indeed change their marketing, and I think they'd be very smart to do so. All you have to do is put some, uh, some words that, of course, everyone will ignore, that the, that the product is no longer under warranty if you use it with nicotine, and then when somebody's stuff breaks and they send it back, the manufacturer themselves will, will ignore those words they put on because they'll, of course, be happy that you're using it with nicotine after all. That's why they're making it, and they will honor their warranty minus that statement. I think it's of any of, certainly if I was a hardware manufacturer, I would put that on all of my literature, on all of my, you know, that this is not, not intended to be used with nicotine, and if you do use it with nicotine, the warranty is void, because it's a statement that means nothing to anyone except the FDA, who now kind of have to, they have to take you at your word or prove it, and how do you prove that? You can't start stopping people on the road, you know, walking down the road using an e-cigarette. There's no prohibitions against consumers of using anything. It's kind of like the Volstead Act. So there's that. Um, I'm not sure what China will do. I would guess 
that China will just do nothing at first. And if they run into problems with custom, uh, custom seizing shipments, then they will probably start by changing their marketing and saying void if used with nicotine, you know, a warranty void if used with nicotine or something similar. Now, the liquid is much more complicated and much more hard to predict in that 90-day window, at least. E-liquid manufacturers are in a real pickle right now because they're constantly making new flavors. Every day, someone's making the new best-ever cinnamon uh, cinnamon toast crunch or, or chocolate. or It never stops, and this is a good thing. Now they're faced with the prospect of, in 90 days... We have to, you know, they, I, I would, I will predict that most e-liquid manufacturers will be in a mad dash to just get as many new flavors out in the next 90 days. Because actually after 91 days, they really can't put a new product on the market if it contains nicotine. They'll be free to continue to produce products that do not have nicotine, but if they do, they're putting themselves in some in a very dangerous place, actually. Again, the FDA doesn't have the manpower to go after everybody, but they have plenty, even after 91 days, to make some pretty high-profile examples. I don't expect this will be on the vape shops that are mixing their own juice in the bag, even though that's probably where it should start. I don't. I don't think it'll be that. I think it will be the companies that they know about the the Johnson Creek, the Johnson Creeks, the the Nickwoods, the you know the very established lines that are out there who have the most to lose, and they will be watching them very carefully to see if they do indeed put out a new flavor in ninety one days. Because if you do, you're dead to rights, and then they can come after you. Since hardware is so much more complicated and easy to evade, since there is no hardware that actually contains e-liquid except, you know, stick batteries that come all in one, it'll make a lot more sense for the FDA to start to flex their muscle by making some examples. And I believe that will happen fairly shortly after the 91 days, probably, I don't know, within another 90 days after that, that there will be some larger e-liquid companies that ignore this and they will get hit, and they will get hit hard. So that's my predictions for the 90, the 90 days. Virtually um, no impact on hardware, especially if you change very, um, very insignificantly, really, change your marketing. Um, but there will be some, some uh, potentially serious repercussions for e-liquid manufacturers. Now, what about the rolling window for two years. So all the products that are on the market today, they can be sold. You don't have to put in an application or anything, and you're good for a minimum of two years. If you do put an application in, you get another year. So here's where it gets kind of sticky. I would, I would think the number of hardware companies that will submit any sort of application to the FDA will be next to zero. Hardly any will bother with this. China surely will not bother with this. Why would you? First of all, it's unclear if the FDA is even going to go after you if you don't have the product that is sold with nicotine. 
Second, it's also unclear if they will even be able to go after you if you just slightly change your marketing. So I can't imagine anyone who makes hardware submitting an application. It's so expensive, and it has to be done. Like I said, the FDA, they really have have left no retreat possible. They say, follow our rules or submit an application. There is no other way. I, Why would China, with the number of products that they make, the, the thousands and thousands of products, and that they're going to have to spend, by any estimate, hundreds of thousands of dollars at the least to get a, a successful application submitted, which, of course, has no guarantee of being accepted. Why would they do that? The Chinese aren't going to spend millions and millions and millions of dollars on something that has no guarantee. If they had to, and if it comes down to them actually having to do that, what will they do? They'll move on. China does not, they don't care about e-cigarettes. It's, they care about profit. They care about making money. What these what these companies and these warehouses full of people putting, they put things together. They assemble things. They don't care what they're assembling. If it becomes too difficult for them to assemble e-cigarettes, they will assemble something else. Hoverboards, whatever. They'll move on. I don't think you will see a single Chinese hardware company submitting a single application. To do so is lunacy, especially because, think of it this way, once you put in an application, now the FDA has a piece of paper, and it's, here's you, here's your company, here's the product, here's the application. Now let's say they reject you. Now that whole process, now that, that little loophole of just changing your marketing that's not in such good shape anymore because you just gave them a piece of paper that says this is intended to be used with electronic cigarettes. I don't know how they're going to feel about that if the next day that you keep the product exactly the same or very, very similar and say, oh, no, 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 that's not used for that anymore. I think submitting a compliance application for a hardware product is probably the worst thing that you could do. Not only is it expensive, it fucks you. And what about for the e-liquid? Now, we all know that the vast majority of the industry doesn't have the ability, they don't have the money to even submit an application. They can't even think about doing that. I mean, if you're selling like even a, a, a decently, you know, a decently robust company selling, you know, $5 million a year, that's a decent, that's a decent sized company, you know? You're employing a bunch of people. You get, you know, they can't, they can't get their whole line certified. There's no way they'd have to pare it down to like two flavors of two nicotine strengths at best. I mean, even that's a long shot. So of course they won't because they can't. Now the question is now n nobody will stop for two years because why would you, you don't have to. Now, What, well, we'll come back to what they're going to do in a second. Let's talk, let's talk 
now for the companies that actually can, the few companies that actually can afford to put in an application. I don't know what percentage of the e-liquid market uh, in terms of number of companies could actually do that. Now, of course, Big Tobacco, they can do it and they will do it and they will get approved and they'll be fine. They don't have much to worry about. In fact, of course, they want these regulations because they want to be the only ones on the market who can legally sell um, e-cigarettes. So they'll do it. And they should. Now, what about those companies? I don't know. I really don't know the numbers. This is probably a question for Bonnie Herzog. What percent of those e-liquid manufacturers can actually afford it? I'm going to take a guess and say 7%, maybe 5%, certainly not 10%. So now what do they do? Well, let's think about it. Now they're saying, okay, now we can... We can submit these applications and we can probably get approved and we'll probably be okay, right? Now I'm trying to think, if I was in charge of one of those companies, what would I do? And the answer would be that even if I could afford it and even if I thought that I could get these products approved, I would not submit those applications. And here's why. When you look at the amount of money that it's going to cost to do that, there's only one thing you can do, and that is increase your prices. It's impossible to spend millions and millions of dollars on getting this approval and not increase the price of your products. They know full well that the rest of the industry, the other 95%, won't be submitting an application because it's physically impossible for them to do so. So you're going to be spending now, you're one of these big companies that can afford it. You're going to be spending these millions of dollars and you're going to have to increase the price of your product. This is going to have to be done fairly soon. I know you have two years to do it, but you can't just wait till the last day to start everything. No, this, this process has to be started well, as soon as possible, really, if you want to be successful. And your prices will have to increase. And not only will they increase, they will increase substantially because all of the other companies won't be doing this, and their prices will be the same. Now, you are going to have to battle in this marketplace at much higher prices with no benefit to the consumer. The consumer sees no benefit. Your price has just gone up substantially. You're not even FDA approved yet. And everyone else is selling everything at the same, at the same cost. Why would you submit this application? It's instantly going to price you out of the market. You won't be able to compete anymore. What are you going to do as a consumer? Even if you know that this company is going through the process of getting approved and you think that's a good thing and you want to support that, are they going to pay significantly more for your product when someone else is doing nothing but making products that you also like that are substantially less money? What do you think the consumer is going to do? Vapors have always just gone to, I mean, just look at the clone thing. Everyone knows it's, it's not right when, you know, somebody takes the time to make the product, engineer it, months of research, they sunk all that money in, and then it comes out for $100, and then when it's on Fast Tech for 15 bucks the next week, what do Vapors do now? We all know. What do you think they're going to do with e-liquid? We already know. Come on.
So, um, my prediction, again, now for who will actually submit these applications, and by the way, let me just hold up for a second. All of these predictions um, depend on two things happening that I hope won't happen. And thing number one would be that the coal amendment doesn't go through. I um, think, I don't know, I don't put it, I put it around 50-50 at best that coal will go through. And that would change the grandfather date and that would change everything. That would be great. We should, we should push for that. We should try to make it happen. Um, but these predictions are based on that not happening. The other thing that these predictions are based on not happening is that any lawsuit brought against the FDA, the FDA will will not win. And I think, you know, any lawsuit, there's there's a number of different things that can be sued on. And I hope people do sue. I hope companies do sue. Um, I put our chances at less than 5% on that. Um, the working through Congress for some sort of law is much, much better chance than a lawsuit. But I, again, I think you should do them both. And I wouldn't tell you how to spend your own, your money. Anyway, going back to the predictions that are based on those two things not happening, which I both believe to be likely to not happen. Now, what about the rest of the e-liquid manufacturing world, right? They know they can't afford these things. Now, one thing uh, some of them might do is be like, well, I certainly can't afford an application. So they can make one of two decisions at that point. Either one, just plan to go away in two years, um, they actually might be able to get three years out because I think that if you just, it, again, it would be really expensive to put together this uh, application, but even if you just like put out, you should, pr you, you, you might do well to put out just like a cheap, you know, spend as little money as possible on one that you kind of know is going to be rejected just to give you an extra year. You know, just do a shitty job at putting one through. They're going to get, you know, I mean, look, Swedish Match, they're a company that makes a smokeless tobacco product, Snooze. They've been waiting to, you know, they're, they're putting in these applications, waiting years for it, you know, and there's nobody really standing in line at this point. So there's no reason to believe that the FDA is going to take a really, really long time with this. You should maybe consider, and I think some will consider, just putting in a half-assed application to get themselves an extra year. Okay, fine. But I think most companies will see the futility in this and just say, well, I can't afford an application in any, it's just physically impossible. We don't have that kind of money. I think you will see some more actually that will actually look into doing some sort of activism work with that money saying, well, listen, we've only got two years. We might as well do everything we can to get the coal amendment to pass or to put their money behind a lawsuit. I think your money's better spent probably trying to lobby to get HR 2058 passed. But there will be a day that comes in approximately three years and a few months and change where your time to put in your applications have passed. Some people have done it. Some people haven't. And then the, the you know the other year has passed where the FDA is is given for uh, to review those applications. Again, they will take much longer than a year, but after that year, enforcement can begin. So in three years and three months from now, there will be a day when all the products that are on the market today, talking about e-liquid now, not the hardware so much, 
where it is now illegal to sell them unless you have received uh, approval, which the, the, the number of approvals will be extremely sparse and slow to come. Now what? Well, I think some things will happen well before that date and probably even well before the two-year date. And this is because the FDA has really painted itself into a corner. The one thing they can't do is they cannot regulate an e-liquid that has no nicotine in it. They can't do it. They can't change what they've done in the deeming to do it. Just a whole new set, basically family-controlled tobacco act, what they what went through in 2009, they'd have to do another one. Now, for all of the, so the, this is kind of the, the good news really for consumers. This is um, a pain in the ass for consumers, a pain in the ass for how e-liquid businesses do business, but it is, it's a way out, a way out that the FDA doesn't want to exist, but it's the only way out. Therefore, it is the only thing that companies can do. And that is continue to make liquid at zero nicotine. Now, that's not going to work for a lot of people because, well, we're dependent on nicotine, right? Most people who use electronic cigarettes, they use them with nicotine because they have a nicotine dependency, right? Okay. Now, there is a, there is a percentage of the marketplace, of the, of the uh, consumer base, um, mostly people that listen to shows like this and watch YouTube channels and are on Twitter and blog posts and forums. They're all, they are all, if not today, familiar with how to get nicotine with that they can just add to their favorite e-liquid. If they're not familiar today, and many of them are, many of them, in fact, make their own liquids, but for the ones that just like buying from company A, B, and C, we'll learn, if they don't know already, very quickly how to do it, and it will be very easy. They buy some kind of, you know, some, it's not, it's not hard. Buy some, uh, buy some Nick you know, get it at a level that's that's fairly safe, add it to your juice, and Bob's your uncle. You're, you're, you're fine. So that's for the enthusiast group. They'll have it the easiest. But what about the majority of the marketplace, the majority of the consumer base, which doesn't listen to the show, doesn't go on forums, just, they just go to vape shops and buy stuff. That's going to be harder for them. And that is where we begin to go into somewhere between the gray and black market. Now, when there is a desire this strong, where today we have 10 million people in America using electronic cigarettes, uh, fast forward three years, I mean, it'll be at least 13 million, 15 million. It's only going to be more, right? Because the marketplace really isn't going to change much over the next two, two years. The products aren't, you know, everything that's that's here is going to still be out. Everything that's out there now is pretty fucking awesome. So the growth rate will continue. All right. So now in two years from now, you're going to have about 13, let's call it 15 million people. And they're going to be, and they're going, they're going to want the product and they're not just going to want it without nicotine. They're going to want it with the nicotine, Right. If you look at any attempt at prohibition in this country, whether it be alcohol prohibition, the war on drugs, whatever, I mean, they can't even keep cocaine and heroin out of 
jails, let alone from crossing the border. And I don't care what kind of wall Donald Trump is going to build if he's elected. It doesn't matter. If you can't, if you can't keep, a prison's got, got, he's got four walls and a roof and you can't keep it out of that. You think a wall on the border is going to do anything? Of course not. Nothing has ever stopped drugs and alcohol when it was illegal. So we know it's going to continue, right? It's just the question as to how. This is um, this is the part where I have the least amount of condition of of of, con of conviction in my prediction because this is going to have to be just some sort of new innovation in the market to get people nicotine and not um not to the enthusiasts but to everyone else again the guy or girl that walks into a vape shop buys their stuff and leaves they're not going to want this nonsense of you know buying their their e-liquid and having it shipped and cutting it there has to be some, some something else and something else will happen that's the prediction i'm making that i'm 100% sure on something will come in to fill this void to allow people to use their zero nick that they'll they will be able to continue to get pretty much for, forever the fda can't can't touch that and easily get it now how will it be done i have some ideas again i'm not i i, I don't I don't feel especially strong about any of these things. But here are some ideas. Now, what I don't know, and I encourage anyone who does know a little bit more on this than me to call in, because there's a great many things I don't know about this. If, if, if you have any ideas, the number is uh, right at the top of the, the chat. 347-308-8329. You're welcome to call in and uh, give your two cents. But I mean, right now, today, if I wanted to, even I, Clive Bates, who's um guy in the UK, is a big uh, e-cigarette proponent. You know, he demonstrated that he was able to get 100% or 99% pure nicotine shipped to him, even though in the EU, in the in the European Union, you're you're not even allowed to do that kind of thing. So, um, we don't even have that in this country yet. You, can, to the best of my knowledge, you can just order e-liquid from China or India or wherever, and you'll get it, and it won't be a problem. You could add it to your liquid. And, you're good to go. So given that it is so easy and not to mention will continue to be so easy to get nicotine, I think what you're going to start to see is you're going to start to see some businesses who are going to be selling e-liquid in, in concentrations and bottle sizes that will perfectly complement the most popular sizes that people buy. So for example, I would I would have to think that the most popular, I, I don't know this for certain, someone who owns a business would know this better than me, but I would think the most popular uh, size of e-liquid being sold is a 30 mil bottle, right? That's certainly, that's at least that's what I see when I walk into a vape shop. So, okay, so 30 mil bottle, there will be gray market company, you know, whatever you want to call it, nic nicotine for you, whatever, <laughs> whatever it is. They're going to sell you a little bottle with uh some nicotine that'll obviously be cut down that you can easily just dump into your bottle, shake it up, and you're good to go. Now, where will that company ex exist? Well, certainly it'll exist on the internet. Um, will it also exist in a brick-and-mortar fashion? That would be the thing that would kind of make the most sense if you can get away with it. Because then what you can do is you can have your what used to be known as a vape shop, um, now, well, I guess you could still call it that as long as nothing in the store contains nicotine. 
You'll be fine selling all your hardware, right? You'll have the little label on your hardware saying this is not to be used with nicotine. If you use it with nicotine, avoids the warranty, something like that. So all the hardware is good. All the liquid's good because none of it contains nicotine. Now, what you could not have in that store are those little bottles that you can add in. But if that liquid is FDA approved, and I got to think there's a company big enough making large, you know, large batches of nicotine that does get it FDA approved, it would be. Now, their, in their interest to, to, to make that product, I think would be, yeah, you know, very, very good idea. Um, and then have some kind of distributor or some other brick and mortar that's right next to, or maybe, you know, right down the street ideally right next to so the com the customer can walk out of that store and walk down the street and walk into the other store and buy this little bottle that now they can just dump into their favorite flavor and now they have three mil or six mil or uh or six milligram uh nicotine that that will make it to six milligram nicotine in their 30 mil bottle or whatever it is how exactly that all is all going to happen i don't know i think it will be the store next door thing that will it'll obviously have to be another company it'll have to be a different s corp or whatever and if it's not that it will be something where there is a will there will be a way and i don't even know that the law will have to be broken to get it to work if it does well that'll be a shame it'll still happen uh but a lot of the people who did used to vape and buy their products so easily there will be a certain percentage of them that will um, probably not just quit vaping and go to smoking, but they will probably start to dual use, uh, be dual users. In other words, uh, vape most of the time, but have a cigarette every now and then to get their nicotine fix. Maybe some of them will turn to snooze like I've done. Um, uh, that's great. Um, unfortunately, some will, will turn back to cigarettes, which is, which is not great. But um, whatever the mar whatever the method is, mark my words, there will be a, a market that opens somewhere between gray and black that gets you the nicotine because there's nothing that can they cannot do anything about the zero nicotine liquid. Now, what they may require is something that will be fairly cheap for companies that I, virtually every company will be able to afford. You may have to prove that your liquid doesn't have any nicotine in it, and that's pretty easy. You get it tested. You send them the paperwork. That is, you know, something that costs thousands of dollars, not millions of dollars, and not even that many thousands of dollars. Virtually everyone can prove. If you are making nicotine that has zero nic, the, the, if you are making zero nic and it truly doesn't have any nicotine in it, it's pretty easy to prove it. And I think that's the way the basically ninety-five percent or more of the e-liquid industry will begin to take steps to go that way, because there's no other way that they can go. They cannot afford an application. So they have to go this way. And on top of that, if they want to make new flavors in 90 days, they have to do it at zero. Which is all the more reason that this gray market is probably going to start a lot sooner than 90 days because e-liquid manufacturers are going to start... Now, listen, in 90 days, nothing nothing actually is going to happen. But in 120, 160, 180 days, after the FDA starts looking around and seeing which companies are, starting, are continuing to make new products and not obeying the law, they are going to come in with a big can of whoop-ass on a few companies and going they are going to decimate them. 
And at that point, a lot of people are going to get scared and just stop doing that. So this is going to happen, I think, sooner rather than later. It has to happen in two years, but I think it will be happening far sooner. It makes all the sense in the world. You're a company. You're, you want to make new liquids. Well, you want to make new flavors, I mean. Well, you, you got to do it at zero. 91 days, you got to do it at zero. If not, you're putting yourself in some serious, serious danger. Oh, look, I got a call here. Uh, the call number is uh, 347-308-8329. Uh, call in, share your thoughts. We got a caller from Long Island, 516, you're on the air. Hey, Russ, Cisco. Hey, Cisco, how you doing, man? Long time no speak. How you been, brother? I've been all right. You? I think we're doomed. Well, then that, that means you disagree with most of what I've said tonight. No, no, I agree with a lot of what you say. It's just that, you know, even though the regulations are out and everybody can read them, you know, most people who are reading them and coming up with their opinions are just opinions because a lot of it's just, you know, it's legalese and none of it's really crystal clear. So it's still... You know, I thought for sure once the FDA regulations came out, I wouldn't have to listen to people uh, assuming what's coming out. Now that they're here, everybody would just be quiet. Now it's even worse. Well, it, Everybody's it, coming up with their own definition of what they're reading, and they're not even qualified to do that, but yet there's, you know, thousands of opinions every two seconds. Yeah, uh, and it's because, you know, they've put out a document that contradicts itself quite often. And I, I want to, by the way, I put myself in that group that you just, just described. I am not competent to go through and understand everything that's in that document. I just know that there's no, it, it almost, in a certain respect, it almost doesn't matter because what is known, what everyone agrees with, and even what the FDA would tell you is how much it costs to be compliant. And I know that the vast, vast, overwhelming majority of this industry can't do it. So when you can't do it, when you can't afford it, there's nothing that you can do but go for the loophole. True. And I don't think, I know the, the FDA reduced the, uh, they assumed that it was going to take about 5,000 hours of time to go through each PMTA, and they reduced that to 1,750 recently. So that's a plus. What does that work out but to? I, have, I think that, you know, if you put an, if you put an application in for your e-liquid, um, it almost doesn't make sense to have to put a separate application for every SKU, meaning every NIC level, when it would be smart to put an application in for your highest NIC level because everything below that is going to be less nicotine. Not, not that, you know, I, I could change the way they want to do it. But, you know, your first application is going to be really expensive because you you're basically creating it from scratch. But once you have your first application in, you can use a majority of that application to further other applications. So, you know, if it is $100,000 per SKU, I don't think it's going to be $100,000 for every other SKU. That, that's, that makes a lot of sense. Because you've done, you've done all that work and you've spent all that money to get that initial package together. And when you're going with a different NIC level, there's not much that's going to be modified. And when you move on to a different flavor, you're just changing some of the ingredients, but you, all the other properties are the same. So there might be some companies that you don't think can apply that will. Maybe they'll only they'll only apply for two NIC levels instead of four or five. Sure. Maybe they'll only do their 
selling four or five liquids. There's a lot of companies that can afford, you know, that small amount of applications for sure. Not not a lot, meaning thousands, but a lot more than just big tobacco and one or two, you know, as Greg Connolly said, you know, Wall Street backed EC companies. Yeah. Well, you know, well, let me ask you this, if if you don't mind. I mean, you are are, are you're still producing e-liquid, right? Mm-mm. Oh, you stopped? No, I never did. Well, you no, I never produced e-liquid. Well, yeah, you bought from uh, was, uh, okay. Well, yeah. Mm, so, well, let, okay. So, whoever you bought from, do you know what their plans are? Do you or do, or have you? You know, I honestly, I haven't talked to very many people about any of this. This is just, and also to clarify, everything I'm saying tonight, I'm just pulling out of my ass. I I strongly believe in what I'm saying, but. You know, I'm not any right. more of an expert than anyone else on this because nobody knows what they're going to do until they do it. But that said, the, you know, I believe all this stuff. Now, have, you, you must, you know, you're in the industry. You must talk to people. Um, what are people planning on doing? I have no clue. I really don't. I don't think, you know, most people are just, they know they just can't afford it. There's just no way. I mean, you know, shops that are, Blending liquid in the back. Well, know, that's, that's, that's going to end. Of course, that's going to end. It's not a bad thing. Yeah. You know, and really, you know, the cream will rise to the top. Whoever that is, I don't know. I don't. I don't well, speak to any I, of these. I, uh, you know, I don't think it will really because because of this zero nick loophole and the relative ease in acquiring nicotine to add to it. I think, you know, that you know that the, the thing is the FDA they pushed all in, and they're they're not going to get the results that they wanted, or at, at least that there will be no real consumer benefit to any of this. Cause all these things that I'm talking about that I strongly think are going to happen where it's going to be consumers that are going to be buying zero Nick and then adding it to themselves. They're going to make mistakes. They're going to, you know, they'll get the wrong nicotine. They'll leave the nicotine in the bottle and the kid will get a, there, there's a lot of things that can go wrong. And then frankly, it's something that the consumer shouldn't have to do, but they will. Um, the FDA missed out on a huge, huge opportunity here to put forth some common sense regulations that people can, that companies could have actually dealt with. And there could have been some a sense of actual good things to happen for the consumer. You know, that, you know, bad chemicals that are in the e-liquid maybe aren't going to be in there now. The FDA, they can't even look at this stuff anymore. If it doesn't have zero nicotine, you could put anything in that liquid now and they've got no say, you know, they missed, they missed the boat. Right. So, I mean, if you want, if you could, I guess, just pretend that you were any liquid company, you know, one of the top tier ones, one of the ones that could actually afford this. I mean, like I said, I, I went through it before. Um, if you do it, you're going to have to spend lots of money. If you have to spend lots of money on this, you're going to have to increase your prices and people will buy your stuff less because it's more expensive. So if you were one of these companies that truly could afford it, would you do it? Um, yeah, I would, you know, hire counsel to see what's involved, how much, and probably would do a limited uh, range of nicotine levels per flavor, and I would put my top flavors to the extent that I can afford. I mean, I, I almost look at it, there's just so much stuff that's unclear, you know, because, it, you know, there's a lot of st stuff in these documents about intent, you know, and I mm -hmm. don't know if, uh, if, they, if they claim that, you know, you're selling zero nick and then you're in trouble for the intention to sell to be using these things. You have to prove that you didn't intend to, 
you know, like guilty before innocent. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I, and it's just, I don't know. And I almost feel like, I mean, just, you know, I feel like people are going to throw all this money at PMTAs, wait two and three years just for the FDA to say, you know what? No. And and there isn't even a guideline. There's no guides of what, of what to expect or what, nothing. It's just, there's nothing out there. It's so unclear. Yes. It's very unclear. It's, you it's, know, it's, and, uh, yeah. So, I mean, I don't know. You're going to throw all this money to get your reliquids approved? Are they just going to drag it on for three years and then just send you letters saying, nah? I mean, I don't know. And it's not like they can't do that. It's not like they won't do it. When was the last time they approved any tobacco product ever? Uh, as far as it's I'm... been years. Yeah, as far as I know, pretty much never. Um, h hang on for a second, Cisco. Let me, uh, let me pick up on this other caller. This is a caller in the 503 sure. area code. You're on the air. Hey, Ross, this is Lee. Uh, I, I listen to your show quite a bit, <clears throat> but uh, I got another thing. You're really over-modulated on the phone, not on listening on live, but when you go make phone calls, I can barely understand you. I just am a little uh, concerned at this point. Uh, I, I build my own issues. I've been doing it for a long time. I call in and talk to Jeannie all the time, and I'm ordering Nick by the leaders every payday and been putting it in my freezer in preparation for myself and my family for just this occasion. Well, what really scares the shit out of me is, is now I'm getting phone calls from friends that don't even vape. They don't smoke. They don't do anything. And because they've heard about these demon regs, they're going out and buying 20 liter bottles of nicotine and throwing it in their freezer just to turn a profit. So they're basically... I, I right now got two friends right now that are stocking up on nicotine, and they have nothing to do with nicotine just because they can see they're going to make a bang on this later. Uh, that's uh, uh, we have nicotine flippers. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I just you, you know what I'm saying, right? I mean, that's that's where I see a, a problem is is these guys don't even know how to handle it, and they're calling me because they know I make my own juice, asking me how do I store it now to make it last longer and. You know, they're friends, so I'm telling them how to put it in the freezer. But the, the fact of the matter is, is if I've got people calling me now asking me, and I'm, I'm a nobody, how many other people are doing that? And what kind of damaging is that going to do when we get a bunch of people out there with nicotine that don't even know how to utilize it and just distributing it to other people in bottles, just squirting it in a bottle and saying, here's your nick, mm -hmm. not even knowing that, my 200 milligram or 48 milligram or what? Because you got the calculations you got to deal with. These guys are all getting 100 milligram stuff. And I'm telling them, that's a mistake. You should get the lower. But I don't know. It's just a concern of I have just that we got a lot of uneducated people now putting bank on this just because of it. I'd buy it for myself. I've, I've got my freezer stocked. But it's not, it's just for me and my family, right? And I know how to utilize it. But when people don't know, that's going to cause a lot of problems, and it's going to be Nick is going to be hard to get a hold of. Yeah, you know. Well, first of all, am I start uh, regulating that? First of all, am I less modulated now for you? Yeah, yeah much that's less. Perfect. Okay, great. Um, you know, it's, uh, that's amazing. I it, well, it's really not actually. It's something I I wouldn't think think of happening this quickly. You know, just regular people going out and stockpiling, but I guess if you think about it, it's completely predictable if you just sit down and think about it. You know, people, they, you know. When it's pretty clear that there will be, a, a, there's a good chance there's going to be a shortage of a product, you know, why not stock up so you can pro 
this is this is how a market works, you know. So it's in that in that regard, it's completely uh, predictable. Um, I'm surprised to happen, but I I gotta say, I'm surprised to happen that quick. So the only reason they're coming to me is because they know I make my own juice, right? That so it's it's a different thing. They're going to the people that know how to make it, and they're asking them, "Hey, how do you do it?" Right? Um, I don't know because I got a lot of my family members that have cut down. They're zero nick. They're just vaping because of the hand to mouth interaction, mm-hmm. and that's pretty much it. Is Cisco still on the line? Yep. Yeah, I'm still here. Hey, hey, Cisco, I'm not in chat or anything, but uh, this is Lee. I'm going to message you because I want to get a hold of one of your addies. I'm, I, I don't have time to look online a lot. I'll pay for it. Not a problem. I ended up with a clone of one of your items, and <laughs> I was, like, totally amazed in how easy it was to build that son of a bitch, so I want to support you as a manufacturer. I appreciate it. So, anyway, I just wanted to say, you know, I'm kind of irritated myself because now I'm seeing a lot of people coming out and buying NICs that have nothing to do with this industry, and they're only doing it to bank. These are mortgage real estate people, so they can afford to buy, you know, every payday, their paydays, to buy a 20-liter bottle and stuff in the fridge. Now we're going to have hundreds and hundreds of liters of nicotine out there, and what's that going to do to the industry after that? Because now they're going to start coming after the DIY people, once that turns into a bad scenario over one person that dies. Yeah. Mishandle. Well, thanks for bringing anyway, that up. Yeah, they're not going to come into the... Okay. I got to get back to work. Okay, sir. I'm going to go back to listening. All right, right on. Thanks for All calling right. in. Very interesting. Um, caller in the... Take care, Lee. Yeah, take it easy, buddy. Uh, oh, caller in the 905 area code. You're on the air. Hey, Russ, it's uh, Sean or Niagara. How are you? Oh, hey, Sean. What's going on? No, not too much. Uh, I thought I'd uh, uh, just listen to the show. I thought I'd uh, chime in uh, sure. on a couple of your things. Yeah. Uh, obviously, as a, as a flavor manufacturer, I don't know if you understand that I'm, uh, I'm uh, now president of Flavor Art, uh, one of the larger uh, flavoring manufacturers in, uh, uh, internationally mm-hmm. here for North America. And uh, just chiming in, uh, clearly, it's pretty important to understand that, yes, absolutely, Zero Neck is going to be uh, put in there. If you read uh, page 222 of the final deeming regulations, it talks about the fact that uh, the FDA is aware that a lot of ENDS products marketed as nicotine-free were found to have nicotine in them. Right. So uh, they have they have a big issue. Uh, relative to that. Well, well, uh, well yeah, but as, and, far, as, uh, far, as far as that's concerned, I, I think the only onus on a company that is making Zero Nick is that they just have to prove that it truly is, which is not that difficult or expensive to do, right? But it's still, Zero Nick is still a tobacco product. It says, quote-unquote, as stated earlier, uh, nicotine-free e-liquid that is intended or recently expected to be used with or for human consumption of tobacco products in most cases would be a component of a tobacco prone. Uh, yeah, but, product. but it's, it's therefore. Yeah. Yeah. But I, that's where the, that's where the intent comes into play. Right. But, yeah, but, but they can determine what the intent is, not us. Right. I, I agree that but, I, the, the onus is certainly on the manufacturer. So, so it is considered to be a nicotine product and therefore a tobacco product until you prove that it isn't and my the, the case i'm stating that it so, it is it is very fairly easy and fairly inexpensive to document and prove that it isn't 
Yeah, but they, they have to be willing to do it. So, I mean, uh, as you may or may not know, uh, Flavor Art for the last number of years has spent, you know, hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars in research on a project called Clearstream. Yep. And in the last two and a half years, we've been spending, you know, uh, you know, close well over half a million dollars a year on what's called Clearstream Onward. And Clearstream Onward basically was the scientific evidence to get through TPD. So very extensive, very detailed cytotoxicity. And, and in order for any flavor to be able to be used and approved um, as a component, it will require them to go through what's called the tobacco products master list. And to apply for that, you're going to have to, for each and every flavor, okay, prove that it has the correct uh, aerosol toxic, you know, toxicity testing, cytotoxicity uh, testing. So every flavor manufacturer out there, in order to be able to sell through the DIY world, um, is going to have to go through this. So you're saying, um, so you know, I think there's, there, there's an important distinction that some people might be missing. You're saying that this is, this is you're talking about for flavor manufacturers, um, not necessarily e-liquid manufacturers who are, who are taking those flavors and producing something that is going to be inhaled by an end user, you're saying the flavor manufacturers that supply the e-liquid manufacturers, correct? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm okay. saying that, you know, what's going to be very interesting is there's a whole bunch of guys out there um, that there's no way that they're going to be able to uh, go through this, if they're even willing to. you got to remember that most of these flavoring manufacturers still only have their toes and feet in the water and still a majority of their businesses outside of uh, e-cigarettes, right? But because by volume, the food industry for some of these guys, like let's say Lorenz or Capella, um, even TPA, uh, the majority of their business, although this is substantive growth, the majority of their business they've kept is still in this. We're one of the few guys that uh, have literally uh, dunk our head in the water. In other words, we're committed to this business. It's all we do, right? Uh, it's e-cigarette flavoring and that's all we do. Right, uh, that's what flavor art is now. Uh, but what I'm saying is, is that flavorings for ends is a component part and regulated as a component, and therefore a tobacco product itself, referred to as a component. And what every flavoring company is going to have to do in order to be able to sell to either a DIY company, um, again, anything that is to be used for human consumption of a tobacco product, okay, um, and, you know, that affects its performance, composition, constituents, or characteristics, uh, reasonably expected, okay, is a material intended for use in a tobacco product, therefore a component, thereby it's going to have to go through uh, the toxicity at first. So half of these guys out there, they, they're going to be jacked anyway because, I mean, you're the you're the ultimate guide that's, you know, called these guys out. But I can tell you that a large amount of my competitors, okay, will not go this way. They don't understand. They, they're not molecular builders. Um, they won't be able to provide uh, molecular formulation, okay, to provide the information to FDA. So, and Sean, uh, you think it's, it's only like a, half of your competitors? I'm being nice, Cisco. Yeah, I know you're being nice. Okay, I'm being Real nice. I could I could tell you I've got a database of every flavor that you can imagine that's sold in North America that we've sent back to Italy for testing, and you know I've been listening to Russ's show religiously for 
I don't know, two, three years. I can't even remember when I started listening. But, uh, you know, uh, and I've been listening to Russ, you know, go on and on. And, dude, I've got a database, okay? I've put through mass spec every one on one flavor, every flavor, West flavor, every Capella flavor, every TPA flavor, right? You know, the joke in this whole thing right now is, you know how, Russ, we focus on the two dicotones, specifically diacetyl and acetylpropanol, mm-hmm. right? Most people don't realize that there's four dicotones, right? And a lot of these guys just, you know, got off of the weasel words, uh, DNAP, and moved over into other dicotones and other chemicals okay, that can be used, right? Mm. And, and uh, none, of, none of them are going to make it through, right? I, you know, and plus, the funny thing is, you know, we've got two years. Well, I can tell you, I don't care how much money they have. It takes two and a half years to do this. We've been working on this for two and a half years. Okay, so I don't give a shit whether they throw $100 million at their, you know, cytotoxicity research. It's going to take them two and a half years. Well, Sean, Sean, as as someone who is clearly um, infinitely more knowledgeable about this process and just this this part of the industry that I frankly kind of just haven't addressed... I'll just ask you, what do you think is going to happen rolling forward? What, what what do you think the marketplace is going to look like in either two or three years from now for e-liquid? Um, well, obviously, you know, my, my greatest hopes are uh, that uh, injunction is going to be seen and, and heard by some court you know, federally and create some uh, extensions potentially. Um, to what end, I don't know. Uh, I see that, uh, you know, I've been... Uh, I've been a chemical manufacturer for about 20 years, putting products through EPA and getting approval through EPA. And EPA is not too much different than FDA. Um, they'll they'll come back a little bit, not all the way. Um, there's still no actual manufacturing standards inside of this. Um, uh, I don't know if you know what I do in Canada, Russ or Cisco, but I control and started a thing called CVA, which is basically CASA. Um, and Safada all rolled into one in Canada. And Canada is very lucky in the fact that we've been very good working together for the last two and a half years with our government, and we're moving vaping into its own regulatory framework. Canada has agreed that it's not a tobacco and it's not a uh, drug and it shouldn't be taxed, and, and they're working towards with us its own regulatory framework. But first we need a manufacturing standard to build it on. So in Canada, my organization, CVA, is working with the Standards Council of Canada, Crown Corp, that creates um, standardization for industry uh, to create an ISO standard. So now, as a result of our efforts over the last year, we're the lead working group internationally. There's five working groups, uh, one in England, one in Germany, one in Italy, one in the United States, one in Japan, and one in Canada now, all ISO subgroups, working groups. And we're the lead working group, and uh, we're creating an ISO standard. Okay, because all of this bullshit, okay, manufactured to what standard? Okay, there is no freaking manufacturing standard, right? Not recognized by FDA, right? All the shit that, uh, uh, you know, uh, Lincoln fucking uh, Red Rock did, um, Lou, okay, and IMSA, they're not recognized as a manufacturing standard. So there's no testing standards. There's no standards at all for this. Okay, so this is freaking just a guideline. Okay, that they're going to try to figure out. I called FDA two months ago. Every month I call FDA saying, 
hey, when deeming regulations gets going, okay, can we sit down and talk about how we move our stuff through? Because, you know, we want to get our stuff through. We were the first company to be compliant in, in Europe with TPD, and we'll be the first flavoring company, you know, to figure it out here in North America. Um, but it's going to be a bitch. And, uh, and they don't have the answers. I've got uh, two lawyers, you know, FDA lawyers in Washington, one here in Canada. Uh, my lawyer here in Canada was the uh, lead counsel for GlaxoKleinSmith for seven years, like a top dude, you know, that understands all this bullshit. And, uh, and he's telling me that this is just a fucking framework. They, they don't have any answers. Okay. If you look at the HC um, hazardous component, blah, 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 HCPCs, okay, um, for tobacco uh, right now in, in, uh, in FDA, they don't even have any of the freaking shit like dicotones in it. So dicotones aren't even on their goddamn list yet as hazardous components for tobacco products. Okay, so these dudes don't have a freaking clue. Right now it's a hotline. You call FDA right now, they uh, put you in uh, and give you a case number, take your phone number and name, and tell you they'll get back to you. Mm. Okay, yeah, we called Thursday morning, as soon as they opened, okay, as soon as this came out, you know, we kind of knew, you know, two days before it, and, right, FT, uh, VTA and Safada both kind of knew all, everything that was going on. Kassad, you know, Julie and the girls knew. Uh, we called that morning, okay, as soon as it uh, ripped off. And they haven't got back to us, right? So what's going to happen in two years, Russ? The industry is going to be completely changed, without a doubt. The big issue here, and the crux is all A-flavoring, and B, flavoring to the product, because you actually have to provide aerosol test ranges and toxicity on a range of products. So it's intended usage of liquid, right? So you got to take it everything from a cigarette to an Ego pen to a Proveri up to, you know, these stupid ass, you know, 200 watt, you know, 0.017 ohm dripper shit, right? Hey, that's insulting. Um, I'm sorry. <laughs> Everything but marquee and uh, velocity. So you know they're awesome. Okay. Hey, Sean, can, no I, one... can I ask you a question? Yeah. Do you actually believe that they'll change the predicate date? Um, I mean, uh, only honestly. Uh, what's your opinion? Is the coal, yes or no? the coal act okay doesn't get seen, or the coal? What's the coal? What is it called now? The coal. The second one. The coal yeah. Bishop Act yeah. amendment. Yeah. Okay. I mean, hey, listen. You know that's what VTA is shooting for, right? Changing the predicate date. Right. VTA's feeling is if the predicate date doesn't change, you know, the majority of the industry changes. Right. And but I can tell you, if I have, let's say, you know, 300 customers in the United States, ranging from the little, little guys up to the big, massive fucking guys. okay, you know, I can say that right now I've already heard from a good 50 of my customers saying that they've got the money to do it. So what happens? They go back. okay. Right, they don't have 20 flavors, right? You know, they have three. You know, selection. Like if you buy a uh, a jewel from Pax Labs, how many flavors do they have? Four, right? Mm-hmm. Russ, sure. you're a big Pax guy, right? Yeah, sure. You know, they got four. Okay, we're going to cut back. It's like Baskin and Robbins. You realize that they have 489 different flavors of ice cream. They only serve 51 at a time, and it, you know, uh, so we're going to you're going to selection. Yeah, diminished. Sean, okay. uh, Sean, no, hold, uh, I'll continue. Uh, hold on for a sec. I'm going to keep you on. Uh, this caller might, may or may not have questions directed at you, so please hang out for a second. 408, you're on the air. 
yeah, I don't have a question yet. You can uh, put me on hold or I can mute. Sounds good. And there was another caller in the 202 area code that dropped. Sorry for taking so long to get to you. If you call back in now, I'll get you on right away. Um, okay, I, I, I get what you're saying, Sean, and you certainly know more about the business than me. Um, I just, I just... I guess where the the most of my um, most of the most of the predictions I'm I'm making are coming from a place where you have this multi multi million dollar you know maybe even billion dollar industry if you look at world worldwide um, that's being you know that's being pushed into a corner and I think that some of them will get out I think most of them won't and I just at the end of the day I don't see the practicality of the FDA being able to enforce that big of a marketplace. I, I don't see how it's feasible, and I think people are going to do everything they can to skirt around it through the zero-nick uh, loophole. And I I don't know. I think the FDA will probably hit a few pretty hard, especially the ones that aren't following the rules. I just don't see how they have enough guns, really, which is what it comes down to, to do the enforcement. But but there'll, there'll just be two marketplaces. There'll be a legitimate marketplace, and there'll be an illegitimate marketplace. Right. Here in Canada, uh, they really fucked up prohibition and taxes and cigarettes. So this moment in time, six out of ten cigarettes being lit up this second are untaxed. That's how big a black market in Canada uh, is in the tobacco industry. Um, I live right? in I live in a, I live in a, I live in the same the I live in the same world in New York City. Which has the highest uh, cigarette taxes in the country? Um, over fifty percent of all tobacco of all cigarette sales in New York, over fifty percent are black market cigarettes. And you can walk into any, but you know, if you walk into Dwayne Reed, you can't buy them. But if you walk into just one of these bodegas, and you can just buy a pack of cigarettes, you know, on on special, if you just use the special words then you're paying $8 instead of $13. Uh, so it's the same here. It's not enforceable. Yeah, I mean, dude, I've got 60 guys that work in my uh, pool and spa chemical uh, factory here in Ontario. And every Thursday afternoon at 2.30, a cube van pulls in, okay, with black market cigarettes, right? You can buy a, a carton of cigarettes for like half price or, you know, ridiculous, like less than even Indian reserve prices, okay? And, and, you know, the black market just exists, right? And so there will be, you know, a legitimate marketplace. Um, big tobacco will come in. They're not going to be able to sell just cigalikes because they know it doesn't work, right? Um, and it'll look, you know, somewhat at the end of the day, somewhat like TPD, okay? They'll regulate, you know, uh, manufacturing. They'll regulate what goes into the liquid. They'll regulate devices by, you know, by some measure. Who the fuck knows how? Right. You know, obviously in TPD, two mil tanks, you know, non-leakable, um, blah, blah, blah. And uh, and, you know, uh, and the big guys will put a shit ton of money and there's going to be better and better devices out there that are closed systems. And the, and the biggest part of the marketplace isn't the hobbyist marketplace that we all live in. OK, there'll be something better. Right. I mean, the, the Pax Jewel is not bad. But I got to tell you, I could probably have got off cigarettes with that 58, you know, nicotine, nick salt solution that they're oh, using. Oh, yeah, it hits great. Great. It hits great. Okay. And there's other products. I'm involved with three other products like that that are coming out right now. 
uh, that'll be out in the next few months. Not large distribution, not even advertised distribution, but they'll all be making applications. Okay. Um, and uh, I see that, you know, the, at the end of the day, what is this all about? It's getting people off of t- uh, tobacco, okay, with a safer alternative. Okay. But you don't need a fucking DNA 40 or DNA 200 or, you know, any of these tank systems or anything. Because quite frankly, no one really wants any of that. Right. The, the majority of the market relative to sales in three to five years, Russ, will be closed systems. Okay. Pods. Right. K-cup, K-cup vaping. And, and uh, when this gets through and there's greater legitimization, okay, and less bullshit from the ants and all the crap that we deal with right now, okay, you know, we'll get to a point in time in about, you know, three to five years, right, okay, where America will start accepting slowly. Canada, you know what, we're making great waves with, with uh, you know, health officials. Yeah, apparently the, across, UK, uh, apparently the U.K. is also. Yeah, well, the U.K. is ahead of us, okay. And we're, you know, Canada's a little bit behind them, but we're following their model, okay? We educate health officials, okay? My organization goes out to every goddamn, you know, national health conference, and we have a booth there, okay? And we sit there and take the shit from these ants and slowly but surely, okay, turn the tide, okay? And they don't think we're fucking evil anymore, right? It's amazing when we go there. And we're dressed, you know, sort of business cash, right? So like a suit, no no, no tie, right, Russ? Mm. You know, kind of business cash we dress, and they come up to us and they go, "Wow, you know what? You guys represent vapors." And we go, "Yeah." He goes, "Well, not, you know what? We expect it." And I said, "What did you expect?" He goes, "I expected either a guy full of vape and spacers, or a fat ass, you know, uh, big tobacco executive in a blue suit." Mm. And you guys don't look like either one of those, right? And we're like, "We're not." Okay, this is a, you know, cottage-based industry based upon entrepreneurism and innovation. And uh, that's what we're all about, right? But uh, it, it'll, you know, the marketplace is changing. It's just it's one of these things we have to accept that this is no longer what it was back in VaporCon one days when I met both of you, okay, and I met Max, and uh, and, and now the marketplace is an industry, and at some point in time, you know, like anything in business, either uh, you outgrow the business or the business outgrows you, and and there's people are either going to have to step up. Okay, start getting their stuff made by these legitimate big co-packing organizations that are out there, you know. But if your volume is under, let's say, if you're an e-liquid and your volume right now is under, say, 30,000 units a month, you're gone. Okay, that, that's, that's what's gone. Okay, they, they, you know, these co-packer guys are going to go through this, but they're not going to take you on as a client if you're not doing enough volume. It's, it's going to be all about money, right? Mm. Right, these small you know, the small batch bourbon, you know, like the beer, you know, microbrewery type of shit that we have right now, it's all gone. There's just no way through this for those guys. Okay. They don't have the money and that's a a fucking shame because I love it. Okay. And I love trying new liquids and I love seeing the entrepreneurism. I love seeing the success of, of my clients like that. And I'd like to say that there's a way through it, but the reality is, is that there isn't right. There, there isn't, no matter what happens, we're going to lose, you know, a big part of the spirit and soul that created this industry. And, uh, but the industry goes on. There's what, how many vapors in America? Four or five million? I think it's, ten, I think it's closer to 10. I think it's like nine. Nine. Okay. So nine million. Okay. The industry doesn't go away with nine million vapors and they're not going back to tobacco 
they just, there's no way that health official is going to let that happen. So something gets modulated. But really what happens at the end of the day and what this whole means is the terrible reality, okay, that the golden age is over, okay? And now we're an industry, and uh, we have to come to terms with the fact that you have to at least manufacture this shit like food, right? It's not, it's not pharma grade, but it's at least above food grade. And I can tell you, if you ever go into a food grade manufacturing, they have batch tests and they have a lab and they have a whole bunch of shit and they're inspected by food uh, inspector agencies and they have to fill out a shit ton of paperwork just to make a fucking donut. Okay, so we're, we're inhaling this shit, right? I started DIYing five years ago because the, the first six places that I went into, you know, as a chemist, and I started seeing that they went into the back with a 16-year-old who didn't clean his hands before he made my juice and came back out again, and I fucking, okay, freaked out and turned to Jeannie Kay and uh, have been, a, you know, administrator for the last four years with Mandy and Jeannie Kay on DIY and learned to DIY. Okay. Speaking, the, speaking of speaking of uh, speaking of DIY, Ed, I saw you ask a good question. And shot. Why don't you just uh, you're on the line? Why don't you just ask it now? Yeah. I'm, uh, hi, Sean. Uh, uh, my name's Ed Wolf. Uh, I had a question. You know, you're saying that you're doing a bunch of toxicology testing and stuff for the master product files. I just was wondering if that is if you're going to be publishing that for the DIY market. Uh, you know, the results ultimately of your, of your clear, toxicology. Clear, clear. Clearstreamonward.com. I'm the only company that publishes their third-party analysis through Enthalpy. Okay, Flavor Art, Flavor Reports, Flavor Art, Flavor Reports.com, and all of our testing in Clearstream Onward is public. Uh, Clearstreamonward.com. Okay, fantastic. And is that for the the individual components, or is that for the blended mix that you sell? Well, well, it's interesting you ask that question because when it comes down to testing. There's no reason in testing all this stuff without nicotine in it. So we test it relative to nicotine because they want to see that in toxicology. Well, what I was thinking is like if you have like an individual ingredient and just, just I don't want to pick one and that could be a bad one or a good one. So just say ingredient yeah. A, but if you, if you have a flavor profile like strawberry milkshake that has say 20 of those, do you give the toxicology on just A and then B then C, or do you do it on A through Z, I guess? That's, that's a really good question, and that's one of the major answers that I'm trying to get my lawyers to get out of them. I'm hoping that it's like building blocks, right? So if I if, – if, you know, and this is what I'm trying to figure out. This is a great question, okay, because it's really what's on my mind because – I'm hoping that I can negotiate with them because they haven't done this before. I'll be one of the first guys that goes through this process with FDA. And I'm hoping that, okay, once I've approved strawberry and I've approved fresh cream and I've approved vanilla and I've approved caramel, okay, that if all of those four ingredients are together and they have master phone numbers under FDA, that one of my clients can say, hey, this recipe is strawberry, vanilla, you know, yogurt and blah, blah, blah. Okay, you know, master file number, this, 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 and this, right? And, you know, so it's like I'm hoping it's going to be like building blocks, right? So they can – Yes. And, and clearly that means that it's a very easy technology IP transfer, right? I've got idiots out there calling me up and saying, hey, I need to get through TPD and I need your CAS numbers. I'm like, do you know what you're asking for? I go, not really, but somebody told me. I said, yeah, my CAS numbers are my molecular formulas. 
Okay, I'm not giving you my CAS numbers. Okay, for my flavors. Okay, I'm not giving them to anybody. So I'm hoping it's kind of like when I when I started looking at this when the first pirated copy came out, I started working with uh, lawyers and FDA and trying to understand that if I could use the Washington Free uh, Privacy Act um, to be able to provide somebody through my lawyer a third-party conduit, my molecular formulas, so I don't have to give them to my customers to get through the regulation process. But I'm hoping that this master file, but there's not a freaking lot of detail in it. That's the problem. It's literally, I don't think they've composed really the way to get through this yet with uh, flavors. Well, uh, you're a member of AMSA, I think. You're a member of AMSA, right, I think? No, I can't. I can't. I'd love to be a member of AMSA, but AMSA is only for e-liquid manufacturers. Um, And uh, not that you can't be as a flavor company, as much as I'd love to join them and support them. I supported uh, Lou and Link from the beginning when they first started talking about it. But no, I can't become a member. Right. I mean, yeah, it also might make sense because you're a, you're like a raw material supplier to a, to e-liquid. So the, uh, yeah, I just, the reason why I was asking is that uh, I, I think that the, a lot of credit needs to be given to AIMSA and specifically Azim uh, Shahori, uh the lawyer, because if you, if you go uh, and look at their comments to the FDA back two years ago now, uh, Azim essentially did this whole master product file system that was a a thing he was essentially advocating for and if i look at what the different one of the big differences between the first deeming and the final rule is that they have adopted pretty much what i think azim was describing and they've done it to such a degree that they think that the amount of hours are going to go down that the costs are going to go down so for your company for flavor art uh that it's you the data that you're presenting could make uh, a lot of companies that we're not going to be able to sell through before Azim's comments to the FDA it, that that you you're probably going to be in a situation where you're, where the data that you have will be able to be used. Essentially, what what even Mitch Zeller was saying for, on the conference for guys call, using for guys using my flavors though. The problem is oh a hundred percent they have to use yeah, your flavors yeah. and 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 they would probably have to uh, demonstrate receipts uh, that demonstrate that they are buying flavors in the amount uh, corresponding to their ultimate bottles. Uh, because they, you know, one way for somebody to cheat the system would be just to say, I'm using you and then not buy any of your stuff. So there, there yep. would have to be a double check on that. Uh, yep. Uh, yep. So, I mean, probably what the FDA would ask you specifically uh, and, and just ask you directly, because, what, how I understand it is that you will be able to give your data over to the FDA per se for mm-hmm. uh, for flavor components. Well, what we don't know is if it's going to be flavor components or flavor profiles. So let's just say profiles to make it easier. No, it'll be uh, it'll so be individual flavors because I mean, you, on a molecular basis, strawberry isn't just strawberry. Strawberry is like you know three hundred different molecules created into. 32 different compounds, right? You know, um, so right. they're literally looking for the molecular weight of all 700 of those molecular ingredients, and they're looking for a chain of custody, an ISO chain of custody of where those ingredients came from. So I not only have to supply the molecular weight, but I have to show them that where I got those molecules, that they, they were built to a certain standard as well, right? Yes, they, that's, they what, might that's what fucks a lot of flavor companies, because a lot of flavor companies are really just compounders. In other words, they buy 
16 compounds from various guys and they really don't know what's in their molecular formula because they don't know what's in those compounds and there could be you know 50 to 100 molecules in that compound that they buy to to make it right so they're compounders right, so versus molecular builders right so i just don't know the answer yet it is it'll either be by the molecule or by say strawberry and if strawberry has 30 things in it then it's 30 things but that but then uh once that data is over at the FDA, it becomes part of a master table. So the FDA knows what's inside of that. And, That's they, that, and yep. so you, you, you can share everything with them and, and then they won't share it with anybody else. But then the, the ultimate PMTA applicant will say, I'm using flavor one, five, eight, nine, and that is the product. And then the, then the FDA goes fine. I know you technically might not know everything in there, but we do, and then we'll be able to evaluate it. So, that, yeah, that's I think exactly that, what that's I'm saying. That's, exactly yeah, so what I'm deeming, saying. Yeah, I mean, if you go to the Safada uh, comments to the deeming from what is it, August eighth? Uh, ironically, the the uh, the date of the deeming was the exact date of the uh, the final rule uh, being all in. It's August eighth of uh, 2014. Uh, you can still read that. I need to go back and read that, but that's a major change. So that the, that you guys are so far ahead and already planning on releasing the toxicology should help some e-liquid makers that are willing to standardize on, on your product line until other product lines are come out. Uh, and who knows if other product lines are going to do this. Uh, I don't know how advanced they are. I know, I know that the uh, flavor art, it has a whole, it has been doing the inhalation line for what, about five years now or something like that. Um, the what line? The, the 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 line of flavors that is designed specifically for inhalation. Um, Clear since, uh, 2000, two, 2010. VaporCon two was when Max came over, and uh, and uh, you know after I mean we were one of, one of the guys that first got Farsanilos into this game, right? We were the for, probably the first guys that employed him, right? In into into this field of expertise, and. Uh, and we took dicotones out of our product in 2010. Funny, right. Funnily enough, we lost 35% of our business as a result of that. Yeah, right. that's, whole, and, that's a whole other can of worms. But so yeah, yeah. I, I, but I, I mean, we've we've been we've been clean. I I have tons of guys out there that want to buy product that is not vape safe, and I, I block it every day. Okay, they try to go around me. Okay, blah blah blah. Um, but in North America, uh, Flavor Art North America does not sell one of our products, okay, that is not vape safe. So, you know, uh, that's all we sell. And I, I give away shit tons of business, millions and millions of dollars of business that I just won't take, okay? Do you guys, uh, uh, use, uh, do you guys use uh, sucralose and ethyl maltol? No, we, we don't use EM and we don't use any sweetener in our flavors. Excellent. Um, yeah, I, I'll uh, actually uh, appreciate the time for the questions, and I'll, uh, I'll actually will be in contact with you on Facebook a little in a couple of days. Yeah, but I, I think Thanks. we might already be friends. I, I certainly follow your comments. Yeah, yeah. I, when you got uh, hired, uh, I uh, congratulated you because uh, I think it's a real important yeah. thing to have that type of manufacturer uh, that, is, that is supporting that type of information. I don't think there's anybody else that makes flavors that has as much data out as you. I know there's a, a group over in Scotts Valley that does publish some information. Uh, what's that? Uh, the Perfumer's Apprentice. They, 
they uh, they put out some stuff, but not nearly to the level that that you guys have done. And you know, if there's somebody else, I'm just not aware of them. So I appreciate the uh, questions, Ross. Yep. Hey, thanks for the Anytime. thanks for the call, Ed. Good questions, man. Here's, hey, Ed West, uh, Ed Wolf, uh, every uh, Friday right here on uh, VP Live Network, Friday night at nine. Huh. All right. So stop bugging you, man. I just thought I'd, I'd jump in now for, unless there's anything else. So I just thought I'd give you some clarity. Uh, no, it, it's a, no, no, you've uh, definitely brought a lot of things to my attention. Uh, you've, you've changed my, my viewpoint uh, since, uh, since I began. So I appreciate that. Yeah, man. Listen, keep it up, buddy. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Don't, don't stop what you're doing. Okay. Cheers, man. Take care. There he goes. Everybody. Cheers, there he goes, everybody. Sean from uh, Flavor Art. Um, okay, I think I'm. Uh, you got any last uh, last thoughts, Cisco? I think uh, I think we've done as good of a job as we could with this tonight. Yeah, my brain is jello right now, so I don't really have many. I'm, I'm just curious that this predicate date. I mean. I, I, I hope they change it. I just don't think they will. I don't think any e-liquid is ever going to be just allowed to be sold without, you know, some sort of serious testing or approved ingredients. You know, so for them to move the predicate date, it would allow certain e-liquids to be sold. And it's just, I just don't see that happening at all on any level. No, I don't I don't think it's going to happen either. I think people should still do whatever yeah. they can. Call your congressman and all that. It would be a good thing of if course. it happens, but I, I yeah. don't I don't think that I agree with you the chances are slim, I think. You know, the biggest problem we have is that you know, this enthusiast part of our industry is such a small percent of the rest of the right. industry who has no clue what's going on. There's probably 85 to 90% of vapors that have no clue whatsoever about any of this. Or anything that's going on with the FDA. Well, yeah, and it's, um, uh, and and you know what? There's a lot of people who were completely unaware up until this week. And here's what's going to happen with those people. And you know, wh whether they're vapors or not, they are going to, um, you know, they saw the news. They read, they, you know, they read all the headlines. We've gotten some good press. You know, chances are maybe they saw some of the good stuff, and they're going to think, oh, this is really right. horrible. And then. You know, two months, three months, a year from now, they're going to be walking down the street and they're going to go buy a vape shop and it's going to be open and there's going to be people buying stuff. They're going to be, you know, everything's going to look at, you know, exactly the same. And they're going to just think to themselves, well, I guess all that stuff was just bullshit. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, it's just, uh, you know, our market here, you know, all of this gear that we use is if it goes away. 85% of vapors would give a shit and probably don't even know about it at all. Right. Yeah, it's tough. It's tough. It's sad. So, and it's, uh, it's, you know. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely going to completely change the industry. That's for sure. And there's a lot of shady shit going to go on over the next couple of years. More oh, yeah. so than it already is. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm thinking of creating a uh, nicotine trader Facebook page now <laughs> yeah. so I could flip nicotine. Sure, why not? Seems like there'll be a lot of money in Yeah. Well, there's I mean, there's no, there will be. Uh, I also, I, you got to believe that, you know, if the FDA's biggest problem is with the liquid and the nicotine, that they're going to regulate, restrict, or recategorize liquid nicotine coming into this country. One would think. I, I can't imagine that people are going to be able to sell, you know, pure or raw nicotine at, at all, ever. 
You know, well, now you could bring nicotine in from overseas, you know, from uh, Sweden and India and China. And I have a feeling it's going to get to a point where, you know, if you bring that and you get caught, you're going to be in some deep shit. Well, yeah, that I definitely agree with because, I mean, if if anything is, you know, meets the definition by their terms as a tobacco product, obviously, you know, an e-liquid that's essentially, you know, up to 100%, but sometimes 50% nicotine, whatever it is. I mean, them getting FDA approval, that that would, I would think, be the last product that they would want to approve, right? Right. And then... And plus, you know, maybe... maybe the FDA thinks that, you know, there won't be a gray or black market because if we ninety seconds to get nicotine liquid, how the fuck are they going to make nicotine liquid? Right. Yeah. Um, it's just very easy for them really to do whatever the fuck they want. You know, if they want to ban cars, they don't have to ban cars. Just ban gas. Yeah. Cars exactly. will be disappear. And I mean, it's if, if, very easy for them to, you know, and I, and I question their ability to enforce a lot of this stuff. But the one thing that they have all the tools necessary, not to get all of it, but to get most of it. They have customs, which is how they tried to do it. In the, seconds. Which is how they tried to do it in the in right. the first place. They tried to do it through customs, and the only thing that stopped that was the lawsuit that somehow we won. So, uh, yeah, I mean, they can they can take a big bite out of that. So some will get through, but it'll get to the point where it's just going to be it's going to be very very expensive because when shit gets sold gets seized, right. then prices go up. The the, the main loser in all this really is. Is the consumer. The consumer will pay more and will have less choice, period. Well, the biggest losers are smokers. Oh, sure, sure. Uh, you're right. You're right. Those are the biggest losers. And people who aren't going to get into this but, nonsense you know, once it's too complicated. Yeah. I mean, it's just easy for them to, to wipe vaping off the face of the planet by creating, you know, some bogus and off-the-wall regulations and legislation to make it difficult to get nicotine. I remember a few years ago when I first Ten started... Second. Um, Somebody, whoever it may be, was putting pressure on banks to not accept the merchant accounts for people selling e-cig products. Sure. I went through four merchants in a year because they said, oh, we can't accept payments for e-cig. I mean, they almost shut online down because if you can't accept a payment, how are you going to sell online? Right. PayPal shut e-cigs down six years ago. Mm -hmm. You know, so it's very easy for them to regulate way outside the realm of vaping and just make it impossible to do certain things that just eliminate it by choice. By, by default. And they don't have to figure out a way to get the funds to enforce, you know, what's legal because they're just going to dump this entire industry into the hands of five different companies and they'll be able to manage those companies. And they're not worried about a DIY market if they're making it possible for people to get the ingredients to DIY with. So they, they're just eliminating the, the, uh, the fact that they even have to enforce anything just by doing shit like that. It's that's the problem, you know. It's it's almost like they could just do whatever they want, and they don't really give a shit what people have to say about it. Yeah. Well, based on the past, you know, and our little enthusiast market here has been crying and doing whatever we can, and and go, to go into hearings and petitions for all these years, just this little teeny percentage of this giant market, and it seems that nobody gives a shit about our our part of the market, which is a very small portion, believe it or not. I mean, if there's nine million smokers in America, how many people are a part of this enthusiast market. Yeah, very small portion, yet it makes up most of the text of yeah. uh, what they put out there. It you know, tells you something. Right, right. Sad. All right, buddy. I appreciate you uh, having me on. Uh, always. Hey, thanks, Cisco, everybody. After Vapor, thanks so much for calling in, buddy. Th thanks, Ross. Have a good night. See ya. Okay, folks. 
there you you know it's interesting i uh started this what 90 minutes or so ago and i got a completely different view of what i have uh, you know i don't know how strongly i stand by those predictions anymore i learned a lot tonight hope you did too